0: walk around and you're like, oh, this guy's a director at Google. This guy works for, you know, Magic Leap. I mean, these are amazing people that know many other amazing people that are around and and available to help.
1: Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. He's a Vermonter, a UVM graduate, a community leader, and CEO and co-founder of mobile healthcare company OMD. Today, Ethan Bechtel shares the good, the bad, and the ugly on starting and scaling healthcare technology businesses. Thanks for coming, Ethan! Welcome! This is awesome, thank you.
0: Welcome, Ethan. Thank you. This is my first podcast, so I'm pretty
2: excited. Well, the standards are are increasingly getting higher and higher as we as we learn this, and um, it's Friday before Thanksgiving, a little bit after four o'clock. And I'm
1: feeling a little parched. A little I don't parched. know about anyone well, else. Let's
2: let's let's maybe see if some of this new hangry angler out river.
0: Am I the first one to be drinking while doing this podcast? Uh, We generally drink before we tape, so okay, got it. uh,
1: This is an experiment. Yes. So anyway,
2: welcome, Ethan. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for for coming out to sort of share your 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 journey here as a you're kind of you're an under thirty entrepreneur, right? No, how old are you? I wish
0: thirty four
2: now. Thirty four. Recently married too. Congrats! Recently married with a startup company and. That's the trifecta. There's no. There's no reason to play Powerball anymore. <laughs>
0: Did it? Um, no kids, so not a ton of responsibility yet. Uh, so that's good.
2: Uh, well, your employees may hear this, so let's. There are some <laughs> no here, <I> responsibilities. No
0: responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> None.
1: All right. So tell us about OMD. What do you guys do?
0: OMD is uh, WhatsApp for healthcare. So in the last ten plus years that I've been in the healthcare industry, I've been implementing. Uh, software that helps doctors get their work done. Uh, so the electronic medical record was this big movement in healthcare, a lot of money dumped into it from the government. And, uh, that's what we've been kind of working on. So we've, you know, learned a lot from that process over the past decade and decided we really wanted a simpler approach to allow physicians and patients to communicate with each other and recognizing that text messaging is a A continuing trend through all age demographics. Um, we've recognized it's a very simple technology. There's no learning curve and we want to apply that to healthcare to really change the way the patient experience happens and to change the way care coordination happens uh, within a healthcare setting. So that's what we do in the kind of a summary.
1: Yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of felt that pain point recently, so it's definitely timely. Well, yeah. When you think about
0: picking up your phone, and calling a practice for anything, right? Uh, It's not a good feeling. I I don't know if it's just me where it's like, it kind of hits me in the stomach like, oh my God, I'm going to have to leave a message. They're going to call me back in 48 hours if I'm lucky. Um, But it's not a really good feeling. But oftentimes picking up a phone call from the guy working on my car is a similar feeling. I don't want to do it. I'd rather just simplify and and kind of streamline that communication. Um, And So I think it fits into healthcare uh, really well.
2: Um, do you want to retract that statement about your mechanic? Cause you don't want, <laughs> you don't want to mess with a good mechanic. So. Uh, who
0: are your sponsors? <laughs> I uh, won't say
2: anything uh, bad about the sponsors, uh, We, we would uh, well, We're going to reserve that for later. Our sponsors, the hangry angler
0: today is the uh, sponsor. <laughs> <From> <laughs> <out River>. Okay. <laughs> it's delicious by the way.
2: So uh, give a little use case then. So, uh, how secure is this texting between doctors and patients? I mean, is this going to be on WikiLeaks, my blood
0: pressure, or will Putin know?
1: It does sound <laughs> a little spooky. It does sound a little spooky. Yeah,
0: so here's the deal, right? You can make applications secure the way that your banking is secure, the way that hopefully, you know, uh, any other HTTPS website is secure. Um There's a much bigger issue in in web technology today around cybersecurity and the ability of anyone to really stop major leaks from happening, uh, from whether it's a target or it's Yahoo or whoever it is, uh, each week. Um, and even in healthcare, hospitals are being targeted, uh, pretty regularly with ransomware that they, they kind of put, they steal a bunch of patient information they put it out there and they say, we need $2 million to give you this back or not put it out there. So, the security is a real concern, and it doesn't matter what anyone says. Uh, that problem has not been solved. But you do everything you can do within the standards set out in front, in front of you. So this is a HIPAA secure, um, NIST, NIST uh, standard protocol for security, where we encrypt everything, and it's as secure as as it can be. Uh, and that's kind of the way that we look at it. And we can't let uh, we can't let these cybersecurity types of, uh, of, of events that are happening all over the place prevent us from changing patient care so make it as uh, you know make it as secure as you possibly can and uh, hopefully uh, that works out well
2: cool um, how big is your team today and you know where is it
0: located and so we have we're spread out all over the place so we have a team of about 10 folks right now whether they're you know some are part-time some are full-time um everywhere from you know developers in new york uh in texas up here in burlington vermont we have a team um, we're we're growing slowly but surely
2: yeah and what are you looking for in a team you know i mean what what advice would you would you give for the for your peers either here at vset or or in some of your other travels about you know this is this is how you source good compatible talent
0: I'm a really good LinkedIn stalker. Um, so that works out well for me personally. Um, but ultimately, it's network. If you have a really good network, um, you know, and even here at Vset, right, you, you walk around and you're like, oh, this guy's a director at Google. This guy works for, you know, Magic Leap. I mean, these are amazing people that know many other amazing people that are around and, and available to help uh, in small ways and big. So um, I've been successful in, on both sides, really networking and stalking. That's awesome. how I find cool people. So I have a really great intern from University of Vermont who's crushing right now, just developing awesome stuff every day. Uh, and and I found him on LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, some of my other guys, startup guys in New York, developer that went through a funded company, uh, proved himself himself out to that founder. And I know that founder well. So it works out kind of both ways for us. We, we tap both uh, the stocking and the LinkedIn markets.
2: And... The- um, where are you in terms of a company? Are you, are you in the market? Are you pre-revenue? Are you out there? You know, what what sort of stage yeah. would you describe OMD? Because it's you know it's been probably a two-year run-up, right? Or
0: even longer. I, we've been working on. I was this trying forever. to be kind. You know? No, I am I'm, I'm fully accepting of how long it takes to do stuff. I, I mean, not just to build something, but to find product market fit, and even harder, I believe, is to do what we're doing in healthcare. Healthcare is a complicated industry to understand. Uh, The regulatory environment is constantly changing. So, um, so I would say that, you know, in this period of time, we've, we've been working on this from, you know, the, the inception of, of OMD. We've been working on this for almost four years and. We're at the point now where we're in the App Store, we're live, we've got iOS, Android, and web platform, we've got thousands of users uh, across the country, we've gone international as of yesterday, we've got some Canadian doctors using it, um, and we haven't even really turned on the engine. So I think we're in a very exciting place because we've found product market fit, and that's what every tech company works so hard to do. It was it more time.
2: the market maturing to this point in time cuz sometimes you 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 know you 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 have vision right you yeah. you get the early idea of, of describing a pain point and you build something and then the, the market kind of gets there or was we were, the market hunger for this and you just just kept giving them the wrong product version
0: no we were early we were really early i mean that's i would say that we um 4 years ago we we were way out ahead of this um, and that's not a good thing. I mean, timing is everything in startups, and so that can kill a company pretty easily. Um, but we were able to kind of weather the storm, and so I think it was a combination of product doing what it needs to do, providing yeah. the value. Maybe
2: talk about weathering the storm too a little bit, right? Because you know, you you had for a bit of that, right? You'd maintain being CEO of MBA Health here. Your your brother, I think, had carved off and committed to this full-time so in a way it's a, a form of bootstrapping so what yeah what uh what nightmares or uh you know moments of of joy do you recall from that that distinct phase
0: <coughs> so i would say that a lot of nightmares i entrepreneurship is hard it's uh whether you're working on, so for me, I was very lucky because we had uh, the ability to bootstrap with revenue that we were generating with our consulting company, which is abnormal. Not, you know, a lot of the people that work really hard, like we do, um, don't even have that. So I wouldn't say, I, I think I was probably at an advantage for sure. Um, and then I, I think, you know, we got to a point where we knew we had to spin it off, knew we had to raise money. Um, and, and, in that process of, of kind of bootstrapping between then and when we finally raised money not that long ago, um, we went through all sorts of ups and downs where we almost lost our lead developer, um, because where's the money coming from? Like we don't have the money in the bank for this. So how do we keep this guy who's amazing and has built this platform for us, uh, going? And I think that's a struggle that a lot of, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of deal with. Like, how do I keep this team together? Uh, when people have families and, you know, they're not, they have more responsibilities than I do. You know, I can go off and do whatever I want because I, you know, whatever. I, I don't have a, a huge financial commitment back home. I don't have kids to feed. So, uh, but not everybody's in that position. So I think that's, that's been a lot of the, the nightmares I've had have been about, around how do I keep everyone happy and financially sound and not worrying about whether their job's going away in a month. So. Yeah, the, the, the payroll clock comes around regularly, doesn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. And, and I haven't, there have been times where, you know, you dig into the retirement account and you pull off money and you get taxed all sorts of ways. And that's how you get payroll done. And, you know, I've done that. So, um, yeah, the entrepreneur system. Yeah, and, it's tough. and
2: then um, you left Vermont too at one point. Talk talk about that, because it, it was Oh was awesome. it, it really bummed me out when that happened. <laughs> I gotta be I gotta be honest here.
1: And welcome home by the way.
0: Oh, it's great to be back. Listen, I think the, the New York City experience was incredible because it was for me personally, I'd never really lived outside of Vermont. So I had this, and I'm a traveler, like I've been around the world, that's what I like to do. Uh, and so not having an opportunity to live outside of Vermont was a real struggle for me. Like, what am I missing? And so I went to New York and, and kind of uh, got an apartment with one of my best friends um, who, you know, had just, you know, had a major change in his life and moved into the city in Manhattan. I got a loft. I said, whatever apartment you get, just make sure there's a loft there and I'll pay a third of the rent. And I'll come down whenever I want. And so I, I was there in the city, uh, living right in the middle of uh, uh, the Soho area. Uh, how much they, is
2: the rent for a third loft? Uh, I would about a thousand like, bucks a month. Okay, I, I've, I, you know, if you said five thousand, I, I would have said yeah. I've read about those. Situations. We were
0: paying thirty six hundred dollars a month in rent in Astor Place, which is like it's actually NoHo technically. So it's like Broadway. And uh, and yeah. and Houston, and it was thirty six hundred bucks a month, and I paid about a thousand of that. I went down whenever I wanted, and I was there often. So so we did that, and then we got into an accelerator in the city uh, called the Blueprint Health Accelerator, um, which was really one of the big reasons we wanted to be down there because there's this network of health IT people that are doing what we're doing. They're MIT grads, they're Google alum, really amazing, smart people that I never would have met otherwise. And so I have this amazing network in New York City with, you know, outside of the Blueprint Health Accelerator alumni, you've got all the CIOs of the New York hospital systems and everyone else, you know, all the investors, everyone else in between. So that was an amazing experience. But uh, the city smells bad in the summer and you can't ski in the winter. So it's like eh, Vermont's a better place to, to <laughs> really be. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came back.
1: Yeah. So I... Um My, one of my favorite questions to ask entrepreneurs, um, with successful businesses is what do you think separates a good idea from a good business?
0: Execution. I mean, I would say execution is the hardest thing to do. Um, but back to the timing is everything thing. I think that's a huge component as well. I mean, I think there's, there's good data out there to show that timing makes or breaks most startups, um, I would say it's probably, you know, execution has almost as much of an impact, but it's harder to define execution than it is timing for a market.
1: Right. And in terms of timing, I mean, you said you guys were kind of way ahead. Um, how did you kind of know when it was right to, to move forward and go to market?
0: We didn't. Yeah. We just knew we wanted it. We uh, we wanted it originally. We wanted the ability to communicate with our our doctors uh, in in a much more efficient way, the same way we were communicating with our friends and our family, like make it more efficient and don't make me leave a voicemail. And this whole thing that we're doing with phones, like I'm not doing this in my daily life, so why do I have to do it with anyone else? Totally. Um, and so so we didn't know, you know, we just knew that we wanted it, and we knew that healthcare needed it from a a, a patient care perspective. We know that you know some of the big uh, kind of. Uh, phrases you'll hear in healthcare being talked about a lot are patient experience and patient engagement and care coordination. And those are the things that come up a lot. Uh, we know that we can change the patient experience. We know that we can make it better. We piloted OMD originally with the number one cancer hospital in the world in New York. And we were able to show um, by a study that they did and handed us the results on that 98% of the patients that they had would prefer to use OMD over... Uh, calling or using the patient portal. And so we knew at that point that that was the validation we needed to say, like, okay, yes, patients do want this. They do want a simpler way to communicate uh, with their doctors. And and then it was just a matter of kind of us working through, making sure that was, you know, we built something that uh, appealed to more than just the cancer docs out there, that we had built something that, that could kind of work for everyone. So I don't remember what your original question was because this beer has like 10% alcohol. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, what, that's we, my answer. We do provide a ride home. Uh,
1: and, and you nailed that. it. You definitely nailed it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a really, really interesting point.
2: The uh, the patient portal that's like the biggest chronic pain point <laughs> we yeah, all seem uh, to ugh, feel right. The yeah. patient ugh, yeah, portal, yeah, exactly. am I right? <laughs> I uh, apologize to any of our members who are patient portal folks, but um, are, are you replacing it, complementing it, making it easier? So I mean, that that seems yeah. to be the the appeal of OMD, which we probably should spell. Yeah. O-H-M-D. O-H-M-D. Dot, com or dot, com. Co- dot com dot com dot com dot com O M D Dot com. Okay, yep. so back to that question: How do you yep. how do you compete, complement from but mostly from from the hospital perspective, yeah. the doc perspective, and then maybe the the patient perspective? Sure, because it, it may be different.
0: <coughs> so, I think we are we're there to augment the patient portal. We're not trying to replace it. We're not trying to uh, to get anyone to think that what OMD does is um, really even along the same. Lines. We're not competing with it because once we set ourselves up to be a competitor of the patient portal, we're no longer focusing on what's important to us. So a patient portal does things like pay your bill and check your result, your lab results, and send a secure message that looks a lot like an email um, from the early two thousands. <laughs> and and so we we don't want to be in that place. We want to be in a place where listen, OMD is texting. For doctors and patients, doctors can use it to text each other in a secure way. Doctors and their practices can use it to text with patients in a much more uh, efficient and secure way. So I think the way I've always thought about it, I think early on we thought we were competing with portals, but I I, I don't want to do that because that's not who we are. And, and I also think that a portal is is a decision that was made. Oh, this is going to get me going on a a real tangent. Um, I won't go too far down this road, but I'm not so interested in doing something that, that healthcare decision makers, hospital executives are focused on from a regulatory perspective. So they need to implement the patient portal because that's a regulatory requirement. I'm more interested in providing value direct to doctors and patients and If possible, what we've found is that we can circumvent the hospital decision makers and we can go straight to the doctors and say, hey, you guys need a secure way to communicate. You need to you want to provide your patients with better care. You want to be able to communicate with your referring physicians in a way that isn't phone tag and voicemail and that whole rigmarole. And that's the way that we're going about kind of attacking the market. So I don't. Like, yes, there are competitors in that we do secure messaging. I know air quotes don't work on podcasts, but that's what I'm doing.
2: But they're very cute in person. Yeah.
0: (laughs) A lot of, a lot of air quotes happening right now. Um, but, but I think that's, that's what we're most excited about is providing value to the doctors that want this. Um, and because of, of the way that we're taking this to market, they can have it. They just download it and they start using it. They invite their colleagues. They invite their patients. They they use it because they know it's going to make their lives do, easier. Do they
2: use unsecured texting now? Or All the time. Non HIPAA compliant. And there's going to be yeah. a penalty for that. There is. Like so HIPAA slap on the wrist or something.
0: No, it's it's more than that. Um, a, a, a HIPAA penalty for uh, sending an an SMS message, for example, with patient health information information that says something about who you are or what your affliction is, uh, you can get charged or fined $50,000 per occurrence. So if you are a doctor that's texting about your patients to other doctors, um, and, and you're violating HIPAA, that's a problem.
2: And, and how much is OMD? subscriber well, is it free now or you, can, it you
0: can download and use omd for free if you want to use some of our premium functions and features uh, right. Hold
2: we'll on. Have we're fake. not very good at math here but free or fifty thousand dollars sam what do you think
1: i'm gonna lean towards free probably
2: yeah i don't mm. uh, make sense i think i would probably download it too yeah. Yeah.
0: and good. the key the key to that is making it as simple as text messaging and so when you go going back to the patient portal you think about the, like, what, what makes a patient portal more difficult? So you're not using, first of all, doctors aren't using patient portal to communicate with other doctors. They're using it to communicate with patients. Um, but, but for those that are looking for a centralized place to text with both patients and other providers, the people that they work with every day. Um, there's no easier way to do it than texting except OMD. And so, uh, and we have other features that make it better. Um, then do you, do you, text you
2: catalog the, the texting Does it get sort of stored? And, yeah. And, oh, so cool. we
0: can we can take these conversations with patients, we wrap them up, and we put them into that patient's chart electronically, automatically. So some of the big electronic medical record vendors, um, we have some partnerships out there already with them where we take these conversations. Like, like who? Yeah. Athena Health, for example, we're in their More Disruption Please partner it's an program. company. Yeah. Right. Awesome as company. As in, awesome program. Jack
2: Kane from IDX days, right? What, Jack Kane is on the board. Yeah. He's on the board. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome so guy. awesome company. Um, and they're really trying to change healthcare. And we believe that um, they are taking the right approach. They're opening up their products to allow um, innovators, entrepreneurs to plug in and create value for their client base. And that's where we kind of fit in. So we take these conversations, wrap them up, put them in the chart. And while that sounds really simple, and with a company like Athena, it generally is pretty simple. Um, most other electronic medical record vendors aren't quite that simple. So it's not the easiest thing to do to integrate with these systems. But we we've, for we've
2: your it. distribution roadmap ahead, right? You could you could go direct. Yep. Right? Or go through these sort of distribution or channel partners like like Athena Athena or somebody else. What how does that break out? Do you see it as 50-50,
0: 80-20? I don't really know yet. I think I think there's a ton of opportunity on both sides. So I think the channel partnerships are extremely important as we look to uh, build a user, a larger user base. Get more doctors involved. We know a company like Athena Health has 80,000 doctors using their core product, and then a few hundred thousand additional doctors using other products that they have kind of in their portfolio. Um, but I do see, you know, we get a lot of doctors that join every single day, download OMD, invite their patients, um, and they're from all over the country um, and Canada as of yesterday. So, so. I don't know what that's going to end up looking like. What I am excited about um, is is how many younger physicians need something like this, and and what percentage of our users are younger physicians. And I look at that, and what excites me about that is that when you look at the proliferation of a technology like Facebook or even texting. Where you say, you know, it starts with the younger folks, right? Like, so go, go to Facebook, right? The kids join first. Then their parents had to join to see what their kids were up to. And the grandparents had to join because nobody calls them anymore or visits. <laughs> um, and so the same thing I think happens with texting, right? People are texting because you know, my mother cannot get a hold of me unless she sends me a text. I can't pick up the phone. I don't have time. And it's always in the middle of something. Texting allows us to have this asynchronous conversation. When I have a second, I'll respond. It's much easier that way. So I, I feel like OMD is very similar in that respect. If we can start with this younger group of physicians that are much more likely to download and use a new technology, they get they know what WhatsApp is, they use it in their personal life, they text constantly, um, then that will move up the kind of the age demographic uh for physicians across the country. So that's the idea.
2: Yeah. So there's no technology barrier to adoption. Okay. You've you've got the regulatory uh uplift that's supporting this. Yeah. The the sort of adoption by the I would say the younger tech uh bought in uh crowd is, yeah. is helpful and um you know I think the average innovation in healthcare, you know, it takes something like fourteen years, seventeen years to actually be broadly adopted.
0: Yeah. That's I mean, great. Uh,
2: How, why does that not keep you up at night?
0: <laughs> you know, I mean I can't be too much of a hypocrite here because I spent the last 10 years implementing electronic medical records. Um, but but the premise of the electronic medical record was always that the data doesn't exist in a centralized place anywhere, anywhere, and software needs to drive that. So that we can take better care of patients and reduce the number of patients that die from medical mistakes and all of that stuff. That's what electronic medical records were, were kind of setting out to do. It's taken a lot longer. They're a lot harder to use than dictating into a, uh, you know, a dragon device or something like that. Um, but, but I think what we've always used in the EMR world has been look at banking. You can travel to Istanbul and pull money out of your own account um and it takes you no time at all to do that no complications on integration yeah. frictionless thing ATMs uh, that's been happening since what the 1980 or something uh and healthcare if you get sick today and uh, you go to the hospital uh on vacation you're you're in Maine on vacation they're going to have no idea what's wrong with you if you're unconscious they don't know what you're allergic to they could give you something that that kills you right there on the spot and and so we haven't we still haven't reached that that place where Healthcare data is available to the people providing us the care. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're not solving that problem, but we're trying to improve, uh, what we feel like is a really critical piece of, of healthcare. And that is keeping the patient, um, a part of their care, uh, on an ongoing basis and, and taking care of them between visits so that they, they have someone to talk to when they have questions or those types of things.
1: Ethan, you talked a little bit about um, kind of that network that you were connected with in New York City, um, which was so so important to OMD. Um, and you know, personally, I feel like you can't swing a dead cat in VSET without hitting a med tech company. Um, so
2: <laughs> there are that many, huh? I had no idea a dead cat yeah. existed around here.
1: Well. Um, we have
2: Mr. Bigglesworth. Metaf- He's a stuffed cat.
1: Metaphorically speaking, Metaphor- dead cat. this has been a
2: metaphorical conversation, right. not a literal dead cat.
1: um So, what is your view of the sort of med tech cluster up here in Vermont? So, you've
0: got this amazing company that that grew up here, IDX, um, that ended up in my, at least in my world, in my network, ended up spawning so many other health tech companies because you have these amazing people that built this company to be worth over a billion dollars. And for Burlington, Vermont, like that's a big deal. Um, it's only happened a few times. You, know, you can count it on your on one hand. So um, you have these amazing people that have like come out of IDX. They saw uh, a lot of change happening in healthcare and they all had ideas for how they could change healthcare as well. So a lot of the people I work, <laughs> a lot of the people that I work with and know came from that place. Where they've, you know, they're here in Burlington, they want to make, you know, they know healthcare in and out, and uh and they they have something that they they want to go after in solving a problem in healthcare. So it's a cool place to be. I mean, people it's funny, like in New York, people wonder why we're in Burlington, Vermont. Like, why don't you live in New York? Um is a question we've always gotten. But what you know, what I think a lot of them don't know is that there's a huge health tech community here and I mean, ultimately, we have great supporters that came out of that, um, you know, that that whole IDX
2: community. Um, do you use them as mentors or advisors, or I mean, I mean, how do you do you access them now? Or
0: all of the above. You, you know, I mean, I've got you know people that that have advised us in you know one-off meetings that came out of IDX. We have people that wanted to invest in us that came out of IDX. We have people that have invested in, in us that came out of IDX. So it's like. It's, it's all of the above, but an awesome, I mean, I, there's, there's a never an end to the introductions I get, um, to people that, that have experience at IDX and come highly recommended. And they are always super helpful when it comes to gathering, you know, their thoughts and getting their feedback on what we're doing. Um, and you don't really get that. I mean, there's a lot of noise in New York. There's a lot of noise in Boston, a lot of, mm-hmm. Of other companies that uh, are are trying to start something in the big city, Um, but here, if you're an exciting startup doing cool stuff in healthcare, you can talk to all sorts of people that that know what you're get what you're doing and have a background to uh, give you feedback that's really helpful.
2: Yeah, that, that that's so true. I mean, you know, Rich Tarrant. Uh, as an angel or as a mentor or yeah. taking a meeting has, is just unbelievable. Jim Crook, yeah. right, former CEO there too, uh, has a, become just this huge impact. He's actually, he and his team are moving the needle in our region. Yeah, uh, They're probably the most active group of, of investors and players. Uh, and certainly Bob Hale prior to his passing and, and his family continued forward and, and Jack Kane, so... Uh, these sort of pillar companies—they yeah. do seem to come about in Vermont once in a generation, right? You know, Dealer. dot com—it was probably the last, uh, you know, billion dollar exit here. So yeah. that begs the question: what, What's going forward? I mean, when are you going to be this unicorn? You know, this mythical billion dollar
0: company—is that—is that part of your roadmap? That's or? so funny when Sam said. Tell us about being successful company. Like I'm not burying, right? <laughs> like I almost cut you off. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, I mean, we're doing really exciting stuff, right? We have thousands of users, which is amazing. Right. I, when you build something from scratch and you work so many years on it, and you finally get to a point where you are getting traction, and people that's are willing success
1: though that's success. It's
0: it's a form of success for sure, right? Like I get emails from doctors who are like hey, I'm um, so excited to be using OMD. Like, I, I don't mean to complain about these glitches and bugs. Um, and it doesn't even matter to me. Like, I still love it and the, the the impact that it's having on my practice and the way that my patients feel about it. I'm definitely willing to put up with the bugs. I get emails like that a lot. Um, and as an early company, like, we have... You know, we have limited bandwidth and we are trying to build out this product that is robust and is stable. And, and we have gotten most of the way there, but it's not perfect yet. So I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist and I know uh, that can be a, a bad thing. Um, I, I've learned to move fast and break things. Uh, that's okay with me. Um, but we're not, you know, success. There's so many milestones. Excuse me. We've only hit the first few um and so we have a really long way to go we're very early um but we've got this traction, and it's taken us a long time to get it and we're in this i think it's an inflection point for us
2: so maybe why should we should re-edit this right as a mini unicorn mini, oh right is there such thing as a mini
1: unicorn there should be there's a pony unicorn,
2: Tony unicorn. <laughs> Mini, horse, yeah aspiring pre, unicorn there's the pre unicorn pre
0: unicorn unicorn yeah that i guess that we'll guess that. uh the assumption there is that they uh, be We don't really
2: network. have callers, but if we had a caller, we would say, you know, come in with that suggestion. <laughs> I think that would be helpful. Uh, Vermont Health Connect.
0: Yeah. Kill it, save it, what? Oh, my goodness. Um, I try to stay out I of mean, these What do things.
2: you do with $200 million worth of software?
0: Yeah, I, you, wait, you wait to find out what the federal government even wants to do. Good moving call. forward, you you don't yeah, make any changes. No. Now. Awesome,
2: non answer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Are, you, are they a customer of yours? Vermont? <laughs>
0: I'm not connected uh, directly with Vermont. Okay, connected right. anyway. I didn't I, mean to
2: put you on the spot. Nope, but no, 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 no connection. No. This please. is the sort of gotcha journalism we. Pra- is this, I, this isn't even journalism, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I think rules don't apply. I do Thank
0: God. Yeah, um, but we're trying. Well, I, no, hey, small t. You, you can, <laughs> you yeah, you can, you can throw anything at me. I'm ready. I mean, if I got that one right, if I didn't get myself in trouble on that, then no, no that was
2: good. That was a good one. Do you have another question, Sam? I, I have one. Uh, if you don't,
1: please go ahead. After you.
2: Okay. Uh, so fundraising. Early on, you talked about sort of fundraising, and you know, you 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 were you know, dipping in your retirement account, working another job, sort of the bootstrap kind of mode, and just sort of what what did you learn through this fundraising process okay about what investors align with you maybe who doesn't what the frustrations are i mean a, a lot of yeah. dead end meetings yeah. i mean cuz it can be terribly frustrating and i think the misperception a lot is you might have to speak with 50 70 90 people to make yeah. pitches yeah. and you're going to get 50, 70, 90 different opinions. Yeah. So, how do you how do you stay sane and then how do you ultimately close a deal?
0: So, I think uh, awesome question um, and it's it's such a complicated answer. So, when you go you read these articles, right? Like you're an entrepreneur. I was this guy at one point where I was reading these articles like, Oh, fundraising in health tech is so easy right now. Lay up, So much money out there. Don't even worry about it. You guys got this. And I sat there and I was like, you know, I try to convince myself like, Oh yeah, we can raise money. Um, God, it's, I don't care who you are. Um, and, and I, I get take that back. Um, in, in the specific cases where you've, exited big before, you have proven yourself in some big way, it's probably easier for you um, to raise money the second time. For the rest of us, it's not easy. And that's something that uh, many people kind of struggle with, right? You get to this point where you know you need money and, um, and you have to start down this path of talking to all these people and learning you know, what, what types of data they want to see before they invest or Or terminology, what's this mean? Or or learning a lot of
2: those discussions. Yeah.
0: I mean, learning what, you know, what, what's the cost of of acquisition uh, for a customer? What's LTV even mean? I mean, you know, you learn these things in very early conversations where you're just like, I don't even know what that means. And let me figure out what, you know, how to, how to even speak, their language before I go in and talk to them. And I've talked to, I don't know, a hundred different investors over the years, um, some well before I was ready to get investment or I wasn't necessarily in a place where I needed it. Um, but it, ultimately, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, what you'll end up finding out, though, or what I ended up finding out was um, traction is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not for everyone. I think team, team probably comes before traction. If you're not, if it's not a solid team, if the investor doesn't trust you, if you haven't proven yourself somewhere else, um, you always read the team is number one. I guess I agree with that, but you could still have a, a team that hasn't proven themselves and they have amazing traction and you have investors that really want in. Um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a challenging thing to do. I mean, all you, all you can really do is network, Set up as many meetings as you can. Learn what data points the investors are interested in. So for instance, I've talked to some folks that have been like, well, for your A round, we want to see 40% user retention after 90 days because that's what we saw when we invested in Snapchat. Um, I've had that conversation and cool. That's an awesome data point for me. Am I going to be able to hit 40% user retention after 90 days? I hope so. Um, but at least the bar has been set. Like, I, I know what I have to focus on. Um, so I think, uh, you know, long, kind of long winded answer, but, um, it's a challenge. It's, it's, uh, you should talk to as many people who have raised money in the past before as you possibly can. Before you actually start raising. Before just you kind go of, out to yeah. know what you're even doing. Because I mean, Dave, you and I, we've talked a million times over the years. Like I've, I've learned more from conversations with you. Um, then, then anyone else probably because you're, you know, you're a great resource and, and you've been willing to help at all, at kind of like all, uh, all the turns in our business. Um, so, you know, just talk to people and understand what it takes to raise money and, and, uh, see if, you know, you can hit these, you can get traction, you can prove product uh, market fit and all of these, these things that you read about, it's, they all kind of come together and if you don't have it, you don't have it. And It's hard to get to that point.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, team, traction, and and timing. Right? You know, the market's got to be there. Totally. Three T's. Three T's. 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 Just coined it. Just coined the three T's. Three
1: T's. I got that one trademarked. I like it. Can I do yeah, that? I think Jay-Z, yeah,
2: you did it. Jay Z may, oh, may use that. <laughs> uh, we, we better do a Google search. If someone's going to
1: take it, I'd want it to be Jay Z. I'm,
2: I'm out of intelligent questions at this point. Not Not. I, not I to have presume that the have a prior good one. questions were I have a so.
1: one that I've been kind of stirring enough, on. This one, one. Oh, please don't I'm really be. Nervous. I think it's a fun one. Okay, okay. Um, I just want to know kind of what, what excites you most about. Emerging to- technologies right now, you know, med tech or otherwise.
0: Gosh, um, what excites me? I honestly, so I'm not a big like VR or AR geek at all. Like I'm not the guy that's gone out and bought uh, the headset. Um, I haven't done this before. Um, but in speaking with some of the some of the VSET uh, residents um, who are working on some really cool things. I've gotten very excited about, um, certain companies in the AR VR space. Um, so I think that's really exciting to me as a consumer, because while it's not there quite yet, the potential that it has to change the way you interact with your surroundings, uh, is really exciting to me. It's insane. So like you go to, you know, and I, you know, You look at what some of these companies are working on and, um, and you think about the implications that it could have for you personally. And, and that's, what's exciting. Um, so I think, you know, that's in in the consumer space, that's that. And then obviously healthcare, um, we're so behind in, in innovating. We talk about innovation. We talk a huge game in healthcare about how we're innovating and, um, is this censored? Can I say things? I I was gonna say bullshit. Um, there's a lot of bullshit that I feel like I hear about people innovating um, in healthcare, and I think there's a great intent to innovate, and I think everyone wants to make healthcare better. I don't I don't question anyone's uh, you know end goal in this, but I feel like it's really hard to innovate in healthcare because a uh,
2: policy, regulatory policy, or is it just they're not good at the execution part? I mean, you mentioned that earlier in the conversation, it comes down to execution.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a combination. I I think a lot of what drives healthcare software is regulatory. So, you know, a company going back to a company like Athena Health, they weren't originally electronic medical record company. They were a company that was scanning your documents so that you could gain access to them. That was their first thing. And um, and then, because all of this government money came into healthcare, you know, twenty billion plus dollars into the healthcare system, they had to become an electronic medical record company to get to be the beneficiary of that government money. And so, they've innovated as much as any electronic medical record company, uh, and there's a few others out there that that are doing cool things. Um, but it's still really hard when you're, you know, you're, you're having to build your software to meet regulatory requirements, not to make physician lives easier, not to necessarily improve the way patients interact with their doctors. Um, so it's hard to innovate in healthcare. And then outside of all of that, you have the decision makers that are, that are dealing with a lot of priorities that are also regulatory. So they have their top 10 list of things they have to do. And those things aren't necessarily doing something new, different and unproven. Uh, why would they bet their job on doing something that hasn't been validated across the industry as the accepted approach to solving this problem? So I get why it happens, but um, but I feel I'm more passionate about making a difference in health care and taking a little bit different uh, approach to, to making uh, sure that change happens.
1: Dave, can I uh, can I give you the honors of asking Ethan our our special final question?
0: Special
2: final question. Uh-oh.
1: It's a good one. Uh-huh. Even okay, better than I, the last. Thank you. It's
2: the first time I've been asked to to do this and I'm <laughs> You earned it. I'm grateful. Oh, you good really luck. earned grateful. it. Yeah. Uh This is magic wand time. Okay. If you could go back in time, back in time.
1: No, you don't have to go back in no, time. I'm, I'm just reading
2: the script. <laughs> magic wand. If you could change one thing. Yeah. In
0: Vermont today, what would you change? In Vermont today, just holistically, like one thing. Just change one, one thing. thing in Vermont.
1: Remember, it's magic. It's not like policy or anything. So.
2: It could be. We, we, our, our last speaker wanted to introduce a new species to the woods here. We've, we've had oh, others goodness. that want to solve uh, rural poverty and opiate abuse. So. No pressure. Oh wow! So um, it, it's
1: really the gamut. Yeah, I mean, I just want to. He's
2: stalling out
0: burger.
1: He's I mean, out burger. I
0: was going to say he's stalling for time. <laughs> yeah, so. is that out-burger. is that okay? Like I Totally. I, don't, no, I feel like that's to, not nearly as cool totally, as inviting a new species totally. or like solving poverty. You know, it's or something. interesting.
1: These answers have gotten progressively. Uh, well, I don't know more achievable I would say
2: (laughs) yeah I I was thinking that also Um, just like what do you guys want from me you're feeding me alcohol and In-N-Out burger I mean I just want a burger can we get a burger well it may be the time of day actually (laughs) Sam
1: can we get one burger and a small fry take (laughs)
0: out yeah animal style Hopefully, animal style. In uh, in an out Burger, nobody. No, nobody, sorry. Nobody. We're animal style. Uh, uh,
1: we're New Englanders, so yeah, we, it's a West Coast thing. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: After watching uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Before the Flood documentary. <laughs> Oh, now yeah, you're making me did. feel Which bad, like, like I chose s- the wrong I'm thing. I'm, like, basically off beef. You know, I'll eat Boyden beef every now and again, but it's
0: uh, right. pretty stunning. Are we so. talked about this. I did the same thing. I got done watching that documentary, and my wife was like, so, when you want for dinner? And I'm like, anything but beef. And that yeah. was my answer. Um, yeah,
1: right. How pork. long did it pork. take? I'd like
2: pork. When's <laughs> the last time you've said that? Yes, let's have some pork tonight. Hmm. You don't. Do we have chicken breasts in there? Yeah. Chicken sandwich. Um, I would say, you know, Before the Floods, it's pretty awesome. It's informative. It is. Um,
0: I enjoyed it. Did you guys watch it? Not yet. I'm looking forward to it. I won't ruin it for you. I mean, it's the things that you fear the worst. I mean, these are the things that that we're not too prepared to deal with, it seems. But we're here. We're we're here. Make the best of it. So, Ethan... With
2: OMD dot um, Thank you for starting here in Vermont, leaving Vermont to go do what you got to do, which was the absolute right thing to do with your company. Um, and we're glad to have you back. I think, you know, you represent the sort of contemporary company that we see here in VSET amongst our 160 members that it's here and there. Yeah. Right. It's not all or nothing. That that binary world and view of economic development is is dead and gone. And thank you for your time and your thoughts today. Thanks Ethan. This has been great right, for starting here. I'm excited about the follow-up interview um well, This has been start here with Sam and Dave a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring and accidental entrepreneurs. This series made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Fairpoint Communications, and today's special sponsor, Trout River, and their Hangry Angler, double IPA. Boom.